Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. So we're talking about chariots of fire. Uh, who's born after 1981 in the room? Show me your hand. Come on. Who's born after 1981? All right. A whole bunch of you. So this movie was made when you didn't exist. And Bronnie just existed. I'd been on the planet for about 35 years at that stage. And, they, uh, and, and chariots of fire came out. And it wasn't expected to do well at the box office because it's overtly Christian. And it got nominated for seven Academy Awards. It won four. It went around the globe. It was such a powerful movie. And, uh, you know, I was just a little kid, and, and Rocky II came out around the same time. Uh, Rocky III, maybe, whichever one. And, and it had the soundtrack of Eye of the Tiger. And where you grew up, where I grew up, like, we were in on Eye of the Tiger. But Chariots of Fire with the orchestral soundtrack, you're like, yeah, I'll skip that till I become an adult. And, but it's this very powerful, very powerful movie, this true story about a man called Eric Liddell, a Scottish-born Christian um, sprinter who went to the Olympics in 1924. And uh, it's it's a powerful story in uh, in lots of ways, and and I want to speak from it in terms of how to run to win, how to live your faith, because this guy not only ran at the Olympics, he did it in the name of God. He did it in the name of Jesus. And that's that's the essence of the story here. And so um, his life is, is full of inspiration. It's a great example to us and how to run to win in the race of life, how to live our uh, thriving faith and move towards inheriting eternal life. And so with that in mind, I, I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24. The Apostle Paul's writing to the Corinthian church and he says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? He's speaking to Christians and he says, Hey, run your life in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, given all of that, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body. I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So he's speaking to a bunch of Christians in a place called Corinth. It's like the, it's like this um, hustle town in the ancient world. It's this cosmopolitan hustle town, and he's and he's speaking to them, and he says, "Hey, as it relates to your faith." And they understood the context. They knew about the gladiator games. They knew about their version of the Roman Olympics and the Greeks before them. And so he says, speaks to them in a way that they'll get. He says, I want you to run the race of faith like one of the elite athletes in the games. It can't be simpler. And they kind of get it straight away, right? They're like, oh yeah, we we know what you mean. And he's he's compelling them. This is the first sermon I ever preached was from this passage. If you know me, you're probably not surprised that that's the first sermon I ever preached. And and, and and he's like, come on, we're going to run this race, run this race to win. Uh, Who saw Kathy Freeman win gold in the 2000 Olympics? Anyone, right? I mean, I love sport. I love, love sport. If there's not sport in heaven, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, but I love sport. 
And, and uh, but one of my, if you said, what are your top five favorite sporting moments? In the mix, and maybe higher on that list than lower, is Kathy Freeman winning, winning Olympic gold at the Sydney Olympics. I have watched that clip so many times. And here's the thing about Kathy Freeman. She is, if, if Paul was writing this today, he might say to us, hey, run your race like Kathy Freeman prepared for and executed the 2000 Olympic 400 meters. He might use Kathy. And if you watch that, what I love about that is like, she is like this fine-tuned elite machine. Like there she is. I mean, it is incredible. I mean, I was so impacted by Kathy's gold medal winning race in the year 2000 that a few years later someone said, so Darren, what do you remember about the year 2000? I went, well, Kathy Freeman won gold of all the things. And Bronnie was sitting next to me. And Bron says, it's also the year that we got married. <laughs> true story, true story. And uh, never got it wrong again. Thank God for that. Uh, 2000, Kathy Freeman won gold and we got married. So there you go. And, uh, but, but, but the Apostle Paul's writing on this. And so here's, what, here's, here's a thought I want to um, start with as we think about um, this. Is, uh, I'm just watching where my videos are. Um, it, it, here's the thing to get started. Uh, my niece, I don't know, uh, Bree's at her a, a mum's house, so she's not here this morning. But my niece Bree comes to our church. I don't know if you know Bree. But um, my niece Bree is, you know, she is like the golden child of our family extended family because she was the first girl I'm one of five boys and so when she came along like everyone else would get a present and Brie would get 10 and and so she is the golden child and if you watch Breezy you can tell she's used to us saying yes to her her uncles say yes and so she rings me the other week and says hey Daz um, listen you're getting older and I'd love to play sport with you and if we don't do it now I'm not sure that we'll ever get to do it. Would you, would you like to play? I feel a hundred sometimes. And I said, she said, would you play baseball with me? It's just a short comp. I went, sweetie, for sure I'll play baseball with you. Let's do it. I said, but I'll miss a bunch of weeks because I'm in Bednamere and I'm here in Port. And I said, but, but if I'm in town, I'll play Sunday afternoon. And uh, so we go first week. First week, I don't train. Haven't thrown a softball or a baseball since I was about 18. We don't train. I go down to the field, 15 minutes of throwing. Look at the field. I'm like, I remember the diamond looked smaller when I was a kid. Like, that looks like a long way to run and a long way to throw. And, um, and so we get out there and play. I do a misfield. Uh, I go up to the umpire and said, mate, those balls, they're, they're not very bright. Could you get some new balls out here, please? And uh, he gets some white balls brought out to, to the game. And I'm like, that made life better. And, um, you know, I threw someone out. I misfielded. I did a bad throw. I did a good throw. I hit a base. It was a mixed bag of results at Z-grade baseball. <laughs> and the truth is that that's how some people live their faith. They're like, in running the race of faith, they're like, oh, yeah, a few weeks, I'll see you. Yeah, all over that. I mean, it's good while they're there. I loved playing baseball with my niece. I, I loved being in the dugout and sledging my teammates. It was great, right? Making jokes, slapping them on the back, well done, all of that stuff. But the truth is that some people like the truth, really, is that some people live their faith like I play baseball. 
And the Apostle Paul comes into the space of the Corinthian church who had like people trying to do this really well and people kind of whatever goes. And he says, hey, here's how to live your faith. Run to win. Run to win. And the Bible comes along to you and I and says, hey, if you're going to live this faith life, and it's important we do, run to win. It's not a condemnation. It's a compelling to the way that we would live in order to live our faith in a thriving way to a dying world as we move towards eternity. And as we do, and as we shift that gear into that space, something powerful goes on in living our faith. In fact, I've discovered that it's the only way to live your faith. And so, I'm, you know, and um, so you can do whatever you want. I'm not going to train for baseball. And you don't have to listen to a word I say today. But if you do... You'll be better for, the, for, for having done it. So let's go to this next clip as we think about how am I going to run this race well and run it to win the prize. Here we go. I've decided. I'm going back to China. The missionary service have accepted. Oh, <laughs> oh I'm so pleased. <laughs> I've got a lot of running to do first. Jenny. Jenny, you've got to understand... I believe that God made me for a purpose, for China, but he also made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. I love this clip. Is Katie in the room? Don't you love the way he says like, and Jenny, I want you to run the race to win which sounded more Irish than Scottish, but didn't really sound either. And for your benefit, I did that for my daughter who will be dying up the back. Like, but I love, I, love this, I love this clip. And why I love it is I love the natural Christian response. I mean, this is how I would have responded to him at 26. When he tells me that he's going to China, you'd be going, that's awesome. Missionary to China. And then comma, oh, before I do that, I'm going to run. I'm going to be a runner. And it's like, uh, hang on a minute. How's that for God? But there's this thing going on here that's very powerful. And, um, and, but but, but what, what, what I love as we set this up is just, it always starts from the fire within. I mean, Eric Liddell has a, if you watch the movie, this, this man has a fire on the inside of him. He's, go, he's ultimately going to go to China as a missionary. He's going to give up fame. He's going to give up the associated fortune. He's going to leave his home and all the glory and ultimately go to China and die for his faith at the age of 43. And he's a man of conviction. He's got enough conviction that when it's all over, he's going to defy the critics and go to China. He's got enough conviction that staring his sister in the eye, who he loves to the core of his being, he says to her, but it's not going to happen yet, disappoint you though I may, because I've got to run in the meantime, and I think that's going to bring glory to God too. And he's got enough conviction on the inside that when he sits with politicians and Olympic organisers, the prince of his home country, and I forget who else is in the room because he won't run on a Sunday, and he stands his ground as the global media surround him and he stands his ground and says, I don't care what they think. I don't care what they think. I don't mind what you think. I've got a conviction at the core of my being and I'm going after that. And so this man affects the world in which he is. He affects the nation of China. 50 years later, they make a movie about him that goes around the world and the rest is history. 
That's the power of conviction on the inside as it relates to living our faith and running it well. It always starts with that fire on the inside. And so how do you do do that? And um, the Bible says one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, Romans chapter 12 and verse 11, it says, Never be lacking in zeal. So it relates to our faith. But keep your spiritual fervor, your spiritual fire, serving the Lord. And, and the inference here is to, the onus is on me, the onus is on you to stir up our faith and, and, and to just keep the fire on the inside as it relates to our faith. Now, as life goes, it does ebb and flow. It, it is a nature of thing. Life gets busy. Life goes through crisis. Life has high points. You, maybe what you're doing in your work um, just prospers. There are babies and children maybe and all of the stuff that goes on. But as a rule, what the Bible does is it points us back and says, hey, keep a fire on the inside. Keep a spiritual fire on the inside of you. Keep, the, keep stirred on the inside as you run this race and live out your faith this side of heaven. And, and, and it speaks to us. And, and so that's what he did. He just, stirred, he just kept stirring the conviction within him. He would have thought about the pages of Scripture. He would have thought about the promises of God. He thought about the purpose he was called to. And he kept those things going around and round and round and round on the inside of him so that there was a fire that bubbled up within him. It always starts with a fire within. Proverbs, uh, Psalm 39 verse 3 says, My heart grew hot within me when I meditated. The fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. Don't you like that? My heart grew. He's meditating on the scriptures. And, 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 and he says, Hey, as I meditated, it was like a fire started to burn within me. And then I spoke with my tongue. He's trying to keep silent. But as he meditated and as the fire stirred, something went on. And, and, and isn't that true of anyone who lives with a fire on the inside for anything at all? And But as it relates to our faith, that we do that. Stir our spirit, stir our soul, um, uh, meditate on the word of God, meditate on the purpose of God and those things. And, and Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen it says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Get around people with a fire on the inside of them. I, I walked into Lockie's room. Uh, it's only dawned on me in the last year that my two kids that are at home live with a fire on the inside of them. And uh, I walked into Lockie's room and uh, he was there, and I said, what are you doing, mate? He said, I'm oh, just preparing a message. I thought to myself, when did that start happening? And I said, tell me your thoughts. He tells me his thoughts, and you could hear it in him. You could hear the fire within on the inside of this young man. And then, you know, we've had to make some decisions lately, and, and I listened to the tone of Katie as she determined her own decisions and thought, ah, oh, there's, fire, there's a fire on the inside of that girl. This is not just her parents' faith being just along, carried along on our coattails. This is, this is a faith within her that's got a fire of its own. And, and so you, you want to put yourself around those people, don't you? I do. I wanna put, I want, I'm going to make sure that I put myself around the fire because the fire catches and, and, and so when you think about your life and think about running to win and who, who you know, I, I often ask myself, who's around me right now? And who am I for those around me right now? And I never want to stop compelling you. 
My good mate, Scotty Williams, in the second row, he will tell you that there is never a time that he and I catch up where we're not trying to light a fire on the inside of each other as we sit down and have coffee. Sit with Frank Coleman. You're not going to go cold in your faith. You might get convicted, but you won't go cold. And it'll have an impact on you. Why? Because iron sharpens iron, and so does one person sharpen another. And so we want to be great people around us and be great people to others because it always starts with the fire within. And, and, and if you're not there, just make it your prayer. Go, God, stir up a fire within me. Help me. Stir up a fire within me, God. Help me. And uh, God will turn up in your life. Why don't you look at this next clip? It's got to watch for the end. up the back. I like the on your back cycle. Who's old enough to have ever done an on your back cycle? Right, a few of us. Yeah. I'm glad they banned that. You don't get that in the gym session. But here's the idea. It's pretty simple. There's a part that, you know, practice is a game changer, isn't it? The practices, the discipline um, is a game changer. And it's funny to me because if I say that to somebody about um, athletics or being an athlete generally, hey, you need to practice. There needs to be some discipline around that. If I say that to someone who wants to be a musician, if I say that to an academic, that there needs to be some discipline around the practices. Why I don't study actually? Um, because I've seen what Bron has to do to submit an assignment. I'm like, I think it's easier if I just gather a whole bunch of good Bible teachers and I'll just try and do what I do because I don't want to do the academic process of what they all have to do to deliver an assignment. And and the truth is that if we put any of those or if you've got a business um, and need some discipline around it to move forward, we're all like, of course. But if I say that to you about our faith, some people will say, Darren, why are you condemning? Isn't that weird? It's weird. It's not condemning. It's empowering. It's life-changing. It's life-giving. It sets you up to win. It positions your life to thrive and for you and I to move towards eternity in a running-the-race way of winning. And so in terms of practice... What are the practices? What are the disciplines in my life? What are the things I'm building in? What are the things that I'm building around? And, and most of this room knows them, but for those who don't, you know, the, 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 the important part of just some Bible reading and meditation and, and having that in front of me on a regular basis, however I do that, AirPods while I go for a walk and listen to the Bible audibly, or, you know, the written word or whatever that, that looks like, personal prayer, just getting away uh, with God. And then the one that... I think um, Candy alluded to, 
just some great people around the Bible, around good food, having lots of fun, whatever that looks like for you. And of course, the temple, as they call it, this gathering. Those things are powerful things and they build our lives in powerful ways. And some of you do it really well. Most of this room actually does it really well in terms of this kind of gathering. And so may we continue to do that, continue to put great practices in our life that build our faith and help us not only run to finish, but actually run to win because living our faith that way is so much better than the alternative. It, this, I tell you, there's something good about waking up in the morning and your brain clicks in. Like you get out of bed and your brain's like, let's go do this, God. I literally wake up, I reckon a third of the days in my life and I'll wake up and at some point my brain will go, let's do this. And I feel like it's the Holy Spirit. That's how I treat it. I don't know if it's God or me. But there'll be a moment sometimes and I'll wake up regularly and go, let's do this. And I, in my heart, I go, yeah, let's do this. Let's go live life for God today. Let's go have a crack. And do I screw it up? Yes. Do I get it wrong? Never. They are. And you too. But the idea of you waking up going, God, let's do this. Let's take this on and see what he does with it in all that we do and all that we live. Here, here's, uh, here's the next clip. Came to see a race today. To see someone win. Happened to be me. <laughs> but I want you to do more than just watch a race. I want you to take part in it. I want to compare faith to running in a race. It's hard. It requires concentration of will, energy of soul. You experience elation when the winner breaks the tape. Especially if you've got a bet on it. <laughs> but how long does that last? You go home. Maybe your dinner's burnt. Maybe, maybe you haven't got a job. So who am I to say believe, have faith in the face of life's realities? I would like to give you something more permanent, but I can only point the way. I have no formula for winning the race. Everyone runs in her own way, or his own way. Then where does the power come from to see the race to its end? From within. There you go. It's just the idea that there's a contrast in the movie of this man who's living out the same life as... Eric Liddell, but without faith at the core. And, uh, and, and so as we think now, I want to go to this last clip and then I want to try and wrap this up for you as best I can. So let's go to the very last clip if we can from the back and uh, let's, let's watch, watch this. Coach says no problem. He's got something to prove, something personal, something guys like Coach will never understand in a million years. says in the old book, he that honors me, I will honor. Good luck, Jackson Schultz.
power come from? See the race to its end from within. favourite things coming together in one scene Christian athletics or sport triumphant God that's great the only thing he's not is Australian but um, although I think is the guy in the stand the guy from Home and Away is it him the actor anyway I'm not sure but running away is to win the prize and that day is coming for all of humanity and we're going to enter heaven or we're going to enter eternity one way or another. And, and the thing about Eric Liddell is that he never, ever lost sight of the prize. And so may we continue to run to win. May we continue to be those people. But I, I want to close in a different spot because he, he makes this statement in life and in the movie and they try and capture, the filmmakers try and capture it right at the end there where he says to his sister, I feel the pleasure of God when I run. Did you catch that line earlier? I feel the pleasure of God when I run. And when he puts his head back in that final scene, it's to make the statement that he can feel the pleasure of God as he runs a race. I find that just a powerful, beautiful thing that God gives. I, I, I can tell you when, when I'm normally preaching, I, I'm just preaching and trying to do something for you. But if I'm preaching on purpose, like anywhere I ever get to go, anytime, I, I tell you, I, f- I feel it when I stand on a platform. I feel the, I, if you're not a Christian, you won't get this, but I feel the wind of God at my back when I'm preaching on that subject. If I get up and I preach on Acts 13, 36, when I'm moving around and preach on serve God's purpose in his generation or something like that, I can feel, I feel it when I step, I'm like, here we go. I can feel the pleasure of God. This wind at my back is something powerful about it. And I, I say that to you because God has that over you. What, what, what I mean is that he's made you in certain ways. Uh, you all know Hugh Jackman, right? Does anyone not know Hugh Jackman? Um, Hugh Jackman, I don't know if you know this story. I'm going to take an extra minute today, but which I don't do. But he, he, um, Hugh Jackman grew up in a Christian home. Did you know that? His dad was a really devout Christian, and he would read the Bible to Hugh each night. And so Hugh's prayer through his teenage years was like my prayer. 
It was like, God, I want to serve your purpose with my life. And Hugh moved into his final year. At, you know, he, he tells a story. I'm quoting him. I didn't read this by someone else. This is Hugh Jackman in a podcast. Hugh Jackman tells a story about how in his final semester of his university degree, which was journalism or law or whatever it was, he needed one more unit to get his degree. And so he decided that he'd do theatre because he didn't have to study or do a test to get the outcome. And he says, I walked onto the stage and all I can describe it as is I felt the pleasure of God like the man in chariots of fire. That's how he says it. And I just like, oh. This prayer that I want to serve God's purpose in my lifetime. He, 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 the next day, the um, positions for, I think it was NIDA, but whatever acting school um, in Australia, the next day, applications closed. He checked it out. I went to type like he did it online. He's too old to do it online. He found out. And the next day they closed. He needed $3,000 by the next day. His nana didn't know any of this. That night his, he prays and that night Hugh Jackman's nana writes him a check for $3,000. And the next day Hugh walks into the college, hands it over and he's in. Now, I know this about Hugh because my... Um, my friend, his daughter and son-in-law were, his, uh, were pastors of a certain church in the US and Hugh would come in and attend church over the last bunch of years. But I'm not sure where he's up to in his faith or anything like that, but I know where he started. And he would feel the pleasure of God when he stepped onto a platform. And I think that's true of your life and mine. There, there are things that God has gifted you with and graced you for. There is purpose that, that, that whether you acknowledge it as a pleasure of God, you find joy in it. But the, here's, here's, here's the tension, here's the risk. And I'm not sure where Hugh's up to. But the risk is, and I want you to listen to me if you're right in the middle of this right now, that thing that just God has blessed and it's flourished and it's strong. Because I've watched people go both ways with this. Some people get lost in it. They get lost in it. And it becomes the thing. And if you're there today, you need to hear me. Because you don't want to get lost in it. Because the team time will come when it, the thing that blesses your life and builds it will ruin your soul. But God's given you that for a reason, that thing that brings pleasure when it's framed in the right setting. See, Eric Liddell didn't get lost in it. He served God with it. That's the difference. And to take the thing that God gives you rich pleasure in and change the paradigm. There you go, Maddie. Change the paradigm and serve God with it. That is where the game changer is. And when you and I find that lane in life, you will find that you are running with a wind of God at your back. And so today, I want you to, as you go home, I want you to think about that. Is, is there somewhere where you do serve, minister, whatever, on a stage, a running track, uh, around church, wherever it is, and then make a decision that you're not going to get lost in it, but you're going to elevate and serve God with it. And may you continue to just run the race of faith that God has called you to as we serve Him together and move towards that day 
when Jesus breaks through the clouds and you meet him from the grave or you meet him in the air and eternity breaks out and that day must be edging closer even as we breathe our next breath and I make the next sentence. So may you and I run the race as we move towards the tape. Eric Liddell would ultimately give it all away and at the age of 43, preaching the gospel in mainland China, give his life for his faith. But here's what I know. Here's what he'd say at the end. He wouldn't say, I missed out. I didn't lose. He'd say this, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is stored up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only me, but to all who have longed for his appearing. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, God bless you. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.